0: Hey folks, welcome in. It's another episode of A Nickels Worth, joining you live from all different types of places. Make sure you follow me on socials, by the way, um, at Keaton D. Nichols. That's at Keaton D. Nichols. That's the best way uh, to find me on socials. And if you're looking to check out the show, you're looking for um, shows that you might have missed, All that kind of stuff. You can check us out on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash a nickels worth. It's all the rage. It's what everyone's talking about. In addition to, of course, um, three times a week podcast, most times, three times a week podcast. You also get a chance to check out my gaming channel. I do play some video games and stuff like that. Um, And we have some pretty cool conversations sometimes. Play some baseball, play some shooting, all different types of stuff. So you never know. So check out the YouTube page. It's well worth it. I promise you'll enjoy it youtube.com slash a nickelsworth, a nickelsworth. we're also on spotify and anchor as well if you listen to either one of those uh make sure you subscribe there as well so we took a short hiatus on um let me see if i can get my my stuff copied here there we go um we took a short hiatus on wednesday no worries we are back So basically, in the meantime, what we have missed, what we have missed in the meantime was pretty detrimental. Um, (laughs) What we missed in Georgia uh, in the meantime has been a gutting of voting rights in that state, a serious gutting of voting rights in that state. And it has caused uh, quite the stir on the Democrat side of things. Of course, a lot of people reaching out um right now and and sort of chastising what has happened in georgia but this is no sort of political um sort of game that's being played here a lot of times there's political games and we'll get a little bit into that and why that happens and how antithetical to our democracy or whatever you want to call it uh that that truly is but um anyway here's how it all basically went down um the republicans yesterday they the Republican state legislators. So we're not talking about the congressman, um, the U S congressman in Georgia We're talking about the state legislators. They took an axe to the voting li- uh, rights in the state, likely in response, by the way, um, to the state turning blue, meaning that Joe Biden won this election. Um, uh, uh, Georgia was a very key state that he won um, that helped push him to that uh, electoral college victory. Also, within that, um, two state senators that were formerly Republicans are now Democrats after a runoff in that state. So, a state that formerly has gone red is now blue. Before we go any further, though, because I have to bring this up at moments and times like this because... Oftentimes, the Electoral College is so heavily chastised, and you have a lot of people saying, look, it's something that we need to get rid of. It's something that doesn't work. It's been a long fight, right? Like, it didn't just pop up in 2016, people saying, hey, we need to really look at this Electoral College thing, considering... The current president of the United States didn't even receive the majority of the votes. They say it's a broken system. I understand that sort of energy and criticism. But as I mentioned months ago before this election, if we're willing to criticize the electoral college when the president that we you know, sort of don't want, when that president wins, um, are we also willing to criticize that same system when the president that we do want wins? In this particular case, most of the country voted for Joe Biden. That's who was president right now. And there isn't that same level of criticism for the Electoral College. I hate to say it. I hate to be that guy. But it seems like people only hate the Electoral College when the person that they wanted to win doesn't win. When the person that they want to win wins, there's no chatter. Right now, Democrats, Republicans, neither of them are talking about really, um, you know, ending the electoral college. Might be some chatter, but in general, it's not there anymore. I just find that interesting. But anyway, um, the Republicans lost the state. It turns blue, right? And this is much to the ire of the Republicans, right? Like, they had an opportunity in several, you know... I guess several opportunities rather um, to kind of hold this down and really the Democratic blue wave or whatever you want to call it, black voters, um, you know, if you want to call it Stacey Abrams, you know, getting on the ground and, and, and doing the work that was necessary. All of that culminated in the Democrats sort of taking over what used to be a Republican stronghold there in Georgia. And the and the Republicans in the state who still control the state house, right? Like they don't have the two senators um, anymore, and that throws off the control, of course, of all the Senate and all that. But the the state senators are still there, right? The state senators are still majority Republican. As are, by the way, the majority of states. Like whatever state that you live in, if you're listening to this right now, chances are your state legislature is made up mostly of Republicans here in Pennsylvania, where I have lived mm, all 29 years of my life. Up until like a week from now, it'll be 30 years of my life. I've lived in Pennsylvania. And despite that I've lived in the two heavily heavy Democratic strongholds of Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, despite that, um, despite the fact that there's likely a lot more people in Pittsburgh and Philadelphia than there are in the in-between area, sometimes affectionately referred to as Pennsylvania. The state is very much so a red state on the state legislator level. Not the congressional level, but the state legislator level. Um, Pennsylvania is majority Republican. It's majority red. And the same situation, uh, it's the same situation, rather, in Georgia. It's the same situation in about two-thirds of states. The two thirds of states have a majority Republican state legislator. And the changes that happened in Georgia this week were because of the state legislator. Important to note here, because the people that you see get a lot of shine, um, you know, the, the people that make a lot of statements, the people that make a lot of noise on the news are oftentimes at that congressional level. And we think that these are the people, these are the these are the folks that are ultimately opening and closing the doors for what happens legislatively here in the country. And they do have a lot of influence, don't get me wrong, but the state legislators still have a tremendous hold in many, uh, well in all states of course, but the state legislators, have uh, Republican state legislators have a tremendous hold in many states. We'll get into why that's significant here in just a second. Let's get into what actually happened with the gutting of these these uh voting rights because some people say look it you know it's a gutting it's a, you know republicans did this terrible thing they don't understand what happened um thanks to the hill.com by the way they have a great piece that kind of breaks down the five most important aspects um, of the gutting of this uh of voting rights there in georgia i picked out a few of those that i thought were important as well you all can go check that out on the hill.com right now and before we begin i should also note that this was made possible all this gutting was made possible um, by the restructuring of the Voting Rights Act in 2013. This was under President Barack Obama, of course. But um, what was decided then by the Supreme Court is that, in short, without me going on and on and on about this and boring people, is that basically local jurisdictions don't need approval from the federal government to make changes to their system. Um The reason why this happened is because after 1965, um, the initial, the, uh, I guess the uh, uh, yeah, I guess the initial year rather of the Voting Rights Act, what was determined is that there were certain states and certain local jurisdictions that were more susceptible to voter fraud or local officials enacting voter fraud on the local citizens there than other states and then other jurisdictions. Right. There were certain, in other words, hot spots of voter suppression in the country in 1965. That's what they determined. There's a number of metrics that they use for this. And every so many years, they basically re-upped this rule, this law that said in these specific jurisdictions, if these folks want to change something about their voting rights act, they gotta they gotta talk to us, right? They gotta talk to the to the federales. And that was the case all the way up until 2013. If you ever hear people refer to that 2000, the gutting of the 2013 Voting Rights Act, that's what they're referring to. Right. So this is uh, this was the the sort of uh, hole in the wall that allowed all the demons to get through. I mean, that purely figuratively, of course, Um, the first thing up here, voter I.D. requirement for absentee voting. That becomes first or that comes up first on the list so basically the way this used to work before is there was a signature match system that basically ensured the validity of the votes meaning that when you went to go sign your absentee ballot uh, ballot whatever signature that you had on file if it matched or if someone determined that it matched then your vote was good you didn't have to present id you didn't have to show id in order to sort of submit that ballot or cast that vote so to speak uh, the change is now that people uh, in Georgia who want to cast an absentee vote must have a state-issued ID. This, for a lot of folks, isn't an issue, right? Like you have a driver's license or you have a state ID that you've been, you know, issued or that you go apply for and that you go get. Um, but you have to remember, not everyone has an ID. Not everyone has access to go uh, to go and do that. Not everyone is going to be aware that they're going to need that have that requirement once voting comes back around again that's important because many of the folks that fall under that category that fit within that demographic group of don't not having an id are low income and minorities these are two groups that have that absolutely gashed i, I know i keep using that word but it's appropriate for today that absolutely gashed the republicans hope of winning in this race in georgia Those were the groups that really showed up and showed out. The people who were formerly marginalized, pushed to the outside, and possibly believed that their vote really didn't matter in the whole affair. Spoiler alert, it did. They actually won. So, you know, the Republicans see this and they say, no, 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 can't, We can't have this, right? All these changes are aimed at them, of course, winning in the future. But the voter ID requirement here is basically specifically preventing the exact groups that caused them to lose Back in November to be further discouraged, let's say, from voting again. Very slick, but far from the first or last time that they'll ever do something like that. Another thing um, out of this voting uh, restriction, uh, it was the availability and the usage of drop boxes. Okay, so drop boxes basically were sort of an in between um, for mail-in voting and in-person voting um, for those that weren't able to apply for, receive, fill out, and submit a mail-in vo- uh, ballot in time. And uh, those people who also may not be available on the day of or the day of the election, rather, to cast a vote, there were made available drop boxes. Also, obviously, with coronavirus, um, this was seen as a way of dropping off your ballot without, you know, the chance of contaminating anyone or uh, coming within contact of somebody that could contaminate you. So that that was something that the, that I think most people states around the country said this is good overall because it's expanding people's right to vote or expanding people's access to the vote. Well, Georgia now limits the number of drop boxes that can be available in a particular county or per 100,000 people. In short, they just squeezed and and limited the amount uh, of drop boxes that are going to be available. They also prevented drop box uh, submissions to drop boxes within four days of the election. Now that was important, as I mentioned Uh, For the two groups earlier, the people who, you know, couldn't or didn't necessarily get their mail-in vote in time and those who are going to be busy on Election Day. You have four days in between to go by and drop your ballot off any time before. Now, the Republicans in Georgia say no mas. The effect of that is that you have so much less people now at the last second or people who are busy, people who work all the time, that no longer have access to that vote like they did in this most recent election. Something else that the Republicans don't like. Voter suppression, voter suppression, voter suppression, voter suppression, voter suppression. suppression. State lawmakers, this is the third thing that I felt was important. State lawmakers can basically now strip the Secretary of State from their position as top elections official in case they don't like something about the way the election went out. Now, if this one kind of seems ultra specific, almost like it almost it almost seems like, you know, the Republicans made this rule specifically because of what happened in the 2020 election. You're not too far off from the truth. Because what had happened was Brad Raffensperger, one of the more fun names in politics, Brad Raffensperger, who is a Republican, by the way, it's it kind of confusing here. But, um, you know, every blind squirrel finds a nut, a broken clock is right twice a day or some combination of the two. Uh, Brad Raffensperger uh, refused to give in to then President Trump's demands to, quote unquote, find missing votes. Just the right amount of missing votes, by the way, that would have won him that state's electoral college. Um, Brad Raffensperger was the Republican official who's secretary of state, rather, who was at the top of this process, who said, I'm not going to do that in so many words. Right. And then he went further and he he ratted on the president and released the phone call, which I don't know if that was like petty or maybe he was just trying to do the right thing. But, you know, more power to him. Uh, the president's going to have to deal with that from a legal perspective a little bit later. But um, anyhow, um, you know, this this affa- or this measure, this change to the law was specifically because of that situation. Brad Raffensperger, according to the other Republicans, should have just played along. Right. Like he should have just went ahead and did whatever he needed to do to correct the state's tally of votes so that Trump would have won. Raffensperger was like, "Nah, man, I refuse. So now Georgia state legislators said, okay, now if anyone does that and we disagree with them in the future, we can strip them of their power, right? We can take future Brad's out of the game entirely so that if Brad is trying to stop this sort of government coup that's happening, that Brad won't be able to. We, the largely Republican leaning state legislator can determine whether or not the election was a sham or not. That's important, right? That's an important one. Because despite how close we came to democracy breaking down at the very foundations of itself between November and January, um, November of last year and January of this year, it didn't. Surprisingly, but it didn't, right? And that was held together by Brad Raffensperger and others who looked at this and said, "Okay, man, we're not going to cross that line. We've crossed a lot of lines, but we're not going to cross that line. Georgia's uh, uh, local legislator there basically ensured that if the secretary of state is not willing to cross, quote unquote, that line, that the legislator can do what they need to do to remove that person uh, so that line can be crossed. In so many words, disturbing. Yes. These are just three of the things that happened. Now, a lot of people have been highlighting the fact that they made it illegal, quote unquote, to give people who are standing in line waiting to cast a vote water. um, You know, one of the more petty and BS sort of things that were added to this piece of legislation, uh, by the way, that Governor George uh, 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 Governor Brian Kemp of Georgia um, signed very quickly. Um and is now going to become law, so um, so if you don't know, that's basically what's happening in the gutting of Georgia's Voting Rights Act. Now, last show, um, all the way back on Monday, um, I talked a little about a little bit about how like over the next four years, or you know however long, let's say the Democrats are in power because they have. Congress. They have the Senate. They have the presidency. Right. So so however long Democrats are in power, the the Republicans best strategy right now is to engage this other side that they like to refer to as the left. Right. No pun intended. The left. Um, They refer to them as the left. They want to engage the left in culture wars. I talked a little bit a little bit about this at the end on Monday. Culture wars, right? So you're Mr. Potato Head. Um, the you know, the military is gonna allow gays and now that's gonna make a weaker military, right? Or Um, you know, we can't have all these people from, you know, Mexico or these, these Muslims coming in because they're, you know, they're going to convert all of our children to Islam and now, you know, our kids are going to be speaking Spanish and, you know, we're not going to be as white anymore. Oh, I'm sorry. I snuck that last one in, but it's true. Um, this is what this is what the the culture war that's being waged against the rest of the country sort of sounds like from Republicans. The idea is to convince the American people that the sweeping changes that are certainly coming from Democrats in the next couple of years are an attempt to change what it means to be American, that these changes are not good or bad or these changes aren't you know positive or negative, that these changes are simply going to change what it means to be American, which is for some representatives. The most important thing and this is you know this is this is not unique by the way to the republicans and that's a part of the problem right i've talked at length about our two-party system we have a two-party political system here in the country that oftentimes creates a very troubling dichotomy around political decisions both from the voters perspective and i think from the representatives perspective too Right. The party that is our two party system creates this interaction. Right. Where the party that is in that is not in power, rather, always aims to sort of weaken the other side so that their part so that their party can win the next time. Right. That's what it's really all about. And, you know, the, the, the argument against the two-party system can be boiled down to that, really, that thing right there. The fact that the both parties are much, much, much more interested in gaining or retaining power than they are representing the people, right? It still comes as a shock to some people, but, you know, a lot of government officials, especially after you reach a certain height, aren't really concerned about serving the people. They're concerned about helping their team win. You know, whatever the next election is. So it's actually a really good documentary. Um, If you're a political nerd like me and you have like two hours to kill, um, there's a documentary on HBO right now called The Swamp. Um, And it really explains that system of fundraising to uh, as a means to win the next election. And then once you win the next election, that makes you more, you know, uh, susceptible to fundraising for the next cycle. It's crazy. Right. But check it out. It's called The Swamp. Um, But anyway, the same thing happened during the Trump term, right? The Democrats would attack the Republicans and therefore Trump um, because it was their role. It was their job in a two party system. If you're not in party, that's what you're supposed to do. The problem was oftentimes the attacks against Trump and the Republicans weren't simply this partisan attack that was simply a part of the process. There were times In which the Republicans and you know, aided Trump basically in helping to destroy different facets of the democracy. They were they were actually destroying the fibers of the country. And the attacks oftentimes were based on that sort of criticism, the, the sort of petty things like, you know, he's, you know, trying to raise, you know, he's trying to eliminate, you know, uh, uh, you know, taxes for certain individuals. And he wants to make the rich richer and he wants to make the poor poor. Those are sort of big themes that Democrats and Republicans always fight about. Right. But when we talked about um, the, the, the sort of insurrectionist like movements uh, within the party and sometimes just on the fringes of the party. That was real criticism uh, against someone who is quite possibly crippling the very American way that we are used to, not just this partisan left versus right. Oh, I hate Trump because he's a Republican and I'm a Democrat. And, you know, not that. Right. Sometimes the criticism, oftentimes rather, the criticism was housed in that. But because we have a two-party system, if it's coming from the opposite party, the criticism oftentimes isn't taken seriously. The criticism is simply taken as an attempt to sort of usurp power from the other party. That's it. Meanwhile, what (laughs) the one party was defending and backing up wasn't just its own party, wasn't just its own loyalty to its own people. They were backing up and normalizing... Stuff that was very un-American on behalf on behalf of the of the president, and so now that 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 regime is no longer in power, now that the Republicans are no longer in power, they're going to sort of shift that narrative of the last four years, or they're going to try at least to shift that narrative of the last four years back onto the Democrats. The same sort of criticisms that the Democrats were levying against the president saying, yo, you're destroying the country because he was. That same narrative is now going to be flipped back around on the Democrats. They're going to say that the people that they are now restricting from these elections locally in Georgia are people who are un-American. These are people who the Republican Party does not want to be a part of the moral fiber of the country. There are thinly this th- these rules rather, are very thinly veiled um, sort of attempts to sort of shift that narrative again in a state that they definitely should have won and definitely did lose. You know, this is this is sort of a cyclical thing that we run into oftentimes with this. We have a two party system that's shown again and again that its it's elected members will be motivated to remain in power more than serve their constituents. And that focus on that back and forth power has made us lose a sort of grip on exactly what we can do about this situation lawmakers seem to be fighting amongst themselves for power we seem to be fighting amongst ourselves as to which uh, which country which direction this country is going and somehow it feels like we're the puppets in that one uh, and not the puppeteers you know so if you take all that into consideration and we've had conversations about this before on the show I understand that it's it's frustrating it's frustrating for me as somebody that follows this kind of stuff and reads about this stuff every single day it's frustrating to see us kind of come back oftentimes to the same mistakes and make the same mistakes and it's going to this is not the last time by the way that all, that stuff like this is going to happen but if there's anything that sort of motivates me to continue on in the game, if there's anything that sort of says to me this is a fight that's still worth fighting, it's it's based upon what I saw this week from the Georgia legislature. What the, What the Georgia legislature said is that we are afraid that the people that we don't like, the people that we don't want to be a part of the fiber of this country are going to fundamentally change the way we do business the old guard as it as it's called or 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 the old heads in congress are eventually going to lose their power but the longer that they try and hold on to it the longer it's going to take this country to culturally shift and change over that gop's constant effort to get people that look like you and me that effort to try and prevent us from casting A vote is kind of like the perfect motivation for me to continue on in this fight, right? And I'm not just saying we need to just blindly go to the polls and vote, right? And no matter what, we should always just vote because it's just the thing to do. I've always been an advocate of understanding why your vote is important before casting it. Casting it's still very important, but understand why. When you see things like this happening this week, you understand that the GOP knows that they can... That they only or their only rather chance of winning comes if people like me and you stay away from the process entirely, and that's what this law is aimed at. Um, I would warn people, as I said, two thirds of state legislators, uh, legislatures rather, at the state level, are controlled by Republicans. Which means what happened in Georgia could very well happen in any of those states that have a re- majority Republican legislature. So whenever we're thinking about off-year elections, when we're thinking about voting for our local congresspeople and our local uh, state senators, state assemblymen, depending on wh- where you're at, this is why it's important, right? And if it seems like your choices suck or your choices are very uninspiring at that level, now you understand the reason why it's important to get behind candidates that you support. It's important to to continue to support political causes that you find important, Not because it's something to do, not because it's trendy, not because this party or that party offers you something better, because you have a stake in this. And taking away the ability or the access or the right in some cases to vote is a bold faced way of saying we are scared that we are going to lose our power, which seems to me like an open invitation for us people as young people, especially the young people that want to see some sort of control over our future, uh, uh, th- those that are focused on serving the people, people-friendly representatives, this is the perfect opportunity for us to get in. Take what we know is ours, and let's not wait around for somebody uh, to sort of determine what we can and cannot do, uh, especially regarding voting rights alright thanks for uh, listening in on this Friday if you have some comments leave them um, if not we'll be back on Monday with a fresh edition of A Nickel's Worth uh, check out the YouTube page youtube.com slash a Nichols Worth also on Spotify and Anchor you can, you can subscribe now and catch up on all of the episodes of A Nickel's Worth that you might have missed in the past check me out on socials at Keaton D Nichols I'll catch you guys on Monday. Have a great weekend. Stay safe out there, everybody. Um, and let me know if you've got stories, got interviews, all that other stuff that you'd like to engage in. Let me know. I'd love to talk about it. All right. Peace out.